Welcome to another episode of the Walk On Podcast, a podcast to help you take your next step in your faith journey with Christ. Work. What kind of thoughts or emotions come up when you think about work? Is it often used in a positive or a negative way when you talk about it? Some of us work really hard to avoid work. (laughs) And then others of us can't wait until our work is finished. We work for the weekend, can't wait for that vacation, can't wait for retirement where we don't have to work. And how should we view work? Is it a necessary evil? Is it a, a means to an end? Right, You got to go to work so you can get paid, so you can buy food and have a place to live. Or could there be a greater purpose for our work? How you see your work matters. So when you look in the Bible, you don't have to read too many paragraphs before you see work mentioned. And who's doing that work? It's God. In Genesis 2.2 describes the seventh day of creation. It says that God had finished the work that he'd been doing which lets us know that God's creative act of creating the universe and the world and all that's in it was part of his work. God works. As you continue to read through Genesis 2, you get to verse 15, and then it says that God took man and placed him in the garden to work it and to take care of it. So not only does God work, but he created humanity to work with him. Right? God's original creative intent was for humanity to be his co-workers, to develop his creation and to care and cultivate for the world that he created. And that work is a gift that humanity can give back to God. In fact, the Hebrew word for work and the Hebrew word for worship are related. They share the same root word. So in a sense, Adam's work in the garden was part of the way that he could worship God. And, and both of these descriptions of work happened before sin entered the picture. So God's original intent was for work to be something good, to contribute to his good creation. You have to remember before the curse of sin, the world started with blessing. God created a good world. He looked at all he created and said, it's very good. And it's in that goodness and in that wholeness that God placed humanity to become his co-workers to care and cultivate the world. But we do get to Genesis 3 in the story, and we see that Adam and Eve choose to trust their own path and pursue their own desires instead of God's, and then sin and brokenness fracture the world. And one of the consequences of that brokenness is that work will become toilsome and difficult. But that work itself is not punishment. The difficulty of work is the consequence and the punishment. And so even in that hardship, I believe that the invitation to partner with God through the work that he's doing in the world continues because God has a plan to restore and redeem all things and make all things whole again. Because when you get to the end of the Bible in Revelation 21, it speaks of the moment when heaven and earth come together and God will finally accomplish all that he set out to bring wholeness and restoration to the world. And I believe that God invites us as his co-workers to help bring about that end, to help bring that wholeness uh, into the world around us. So that means that work's not just a means to an end. It's not a punishment, but 
if God works and God created humanity to work with him, then our work can be a way that we worship God and help bring about the world as he intends. And yet, so often we take this gift of work and we distort it and we focus only on ourselves and only see it in in a negative light and do everything we can to avoid it. And we miss opportunities to partner with what God is doing in the world. And I wonder if in part what contributes to that view of work is um, a limited understanding of the gospel. Sometimes we take the the gospel story and we limit it to just kind of two chapters, you know, like we're sinners and Jesus died for us and that's the end. Uh, But you have to realize the gospel story starts with the goodness of creation and God's intent to be in humanity. Um, And then the fall and sin enters the picture. And then God installs his plan to bring about the redemption of the world. And he does it through Jesus. And Jesus comes on the scene and his death and burial and resurrection um, paved the way for us to be united again, takes care of the sin of the world and helps bring about that wholeness. And then, um, then you have the promise that one day Jesus will return again to fully establish and restore that kingdom. And so when, when you view the world in that, the limited understanding of the gospel, just kind of those two chapters of sin and forgiveness, then it's easy to look at the world around you and think that what Jesus does is provide you an escape from all the troubles of the world. And, you know, just maybe one day you'll get to go to heaven and not have to deal with all the mess around you. But when you see the gospel in larger terms and understand that it's about God's redemptive work and restoration and bringing wholeness to a broken world, then you can begin to see that you might have a role to play. And part of being God's co-worker is to help bring about the kingdom of God to bear and the circumstances in the world around us that lead towards wholeness and restoration to help accomplish God's plans. So with all that in mind, let's take a look at Matthew 9, 35. Um, As I was thinking about work recently, this was a scripture that I read in a totally different light. It says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, those last couple verses get thrown around a lot if you're around the church. Um, A lot of times when we mention that, it's usually because we need, you know, more workers in the children's wing, or we don't have enough small group leaders. So we need to pray for the Lord of the harvest to bring more volunteers to work within the church. And those things matter, but... I wonder, if is that really what Jesus was getting at? What if what Jesus was saying is much bigger? What if the work of the harvest is about what happens every day of the week at your job and in your home? When you look at the context of what Jesus is saying, it helps us understand a little bit more what the work of the harvest might entail. One, I believe that the work of the harvest is people-focused. Because it's when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And that's what drew him to then say, pray for the work of the harvest. It was all driven by people and seeing the needs that they had 
um, needs to help bring about wholeness, right? And in, in that verse, what was Jesus doing? He was doing harvest work himself. He was going from town to town, teaching in the synagogues. He was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and he was healing diseases and sickness. That He was bringing wholeness and restoration to people's lives. He was doing his work. And he's saying that's the kind of work that we need more people to do. But the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The work of the harvest is also kingdom of God fulfilling, right? He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, not just with his words, but with his actions, because he was doing things that bring wholeness into the lives of the people. And what Jesus is saying is, the kingdom of God is, is coming, that there's a new reality breaking through. There's a new rule and reign, a new way to view reality, right? It's the, the new Jerusalem that operates like the original garden. Jesus' death and resurrection um, inaugurated the kingdom of God, and we have a promise that one day he will return to fully restore and, and establish his kingdom. But right now, we're kind of caught in this in-between of those two movements, the the kingdom of God is here and at hand, but yet it's not fully established. It's the already kingdom, but not yet. And I think the invitation of the work of the harvest is to partner with the work that God is doing in the world. So then the question is, so how's God working in the world? Uh, Robert Banks in his book, Faith Goes to Work, describes six ways that God works in the world. And I think any kind of harvest work, any way you're going to partner with God is going to be partnering with God through those six types of work. So the first type of work um, that God does is redemptive work. It's God's saving and restorative actions, right? God saves what's lost and he restores what is broken. And so redemptive work is anything that does those things. So counselors do redemptive work when they help restore broken relationships, um, therapists do redemptive work when they help correct broken thinking. Mechanics do redemptive work when they take a broken engine and restore it. Right? Any work that restores what's broken is a reflection of God's redemptive work in the world. God also does creative work. It's how he fashions the physical and human world. So any work that creates like art, music, um, construction work is a reflection of God's creative work but also any work that brings order out of chaos, because that's what God did with the original creation, brought order out of chaos. So work like administrative work or managerial work that helps bring order to things is a reflection of God's creative work in the world. Providential work is another type of work that God does. It's the way that he provides and sustains humanity in the creation. So any work that does that is part of that providential work. Uh, maybe work like farming or manufacturing or retail work um, or delivery um, drivers, you know, that help goods and products get to the places that they need to be. I heard somebody say that um, the um, prayer in the Lord's Prayer when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, the question was asked, how does God answer that prayer? And sometimes God answers it miraculously, you know, suddenly this, this manna appears. Uh, but also God answers it through his workers, right? It's the farmer that plants the wheat and harvests the wheat. It's the mill that grinds the wheat into flour. It's the baker that takes that wheat and turns it into bread. It's the delivery driver that takes it to the store. And it's the store worker that sells it 
to the person to deliver their daily bread. God works through all of those workers. And when you help provide the needs for people, you're part of God's providential work in the world. God also does justice work. It's his work to right wrongs, stop evil, and bring good to all. So any work that does those things is a reflection of God's justice work. So this might be you know, work like law enforcement, um, work in the legal field, any kind of advocate work where you help those who don't have a voice um, have a voice is part of God's justice work. God does compassion work, right? It's his comforting, healing, guiding, and shepherding. So any um, work that does those things, you know, any work, doctors and nurses and dentists and physical therapists, any work in the medical field, any work in the mental health field, um, any work that helps guide and direct people through difficulties and problems that they may have is part of God's compassion work. And then uh, God does revelatory work. That's the sixth way he works in the world. And it's his work to reveal his truth to the world. So any work that teaches truth, any work that seeks truth is part of that work. So that's uh, teachers and professors, instructors, anyone in the education system. It also involves sciences, uh, research scientists who work to discover the truth of God in the, in the world around us. It's part of God's revelatory work. So the question then is, what is the work in your job? What are the things that you do? Maybe you get paid for them, maybe you don't that line up with one of those six ways that God is working in the world. And that is the way that you can partner in with the work of the harvest. And so when you do those things with a focus on people and a focus on bringing about the kingdom of God to bring wholeness and restoration and hope to those around you, you are partnering with the work that God is doing. That's the work of the harvest. There's an idea uh, from the Bible that bubbles up from the Old Testament and then is really talked about in the New Testament. And it's the, the idea of the priesthood of all believers, that God sets his people apart as a, as a holy priesthood. You get to function as people that connect others to God and represent them and help be that connection point between the two of them. And Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation, takes this idea of the priesthood of all believers and applies it to our work. And he said that the priesthood of believers doesn't just mean that the milkmaid and the plowboy can now do priestly work. It means that the milking and the plowing are the priestly work. You see, there's no such thing as a sacred job or a secular job. All work can be done for God's glory and can be done as worship to him. And in every job, there is work that can partner with the work that God is doing in the world. And as a pastor who works in the church, I just want to acknowledge that there's a tendency in the church to elevate those kind of professional church roles, you know, pastors and missionaries and worship leaders. And, and it's easy to celebrate those kind of roles and, and they're worth, they're worth honor and they're worth celebrating. But when we do that, we can send a subtle message that any other profession is, is less than. You know, you're not able to do the Lord's work if you're not working within a church or uh, some kind of a ministry organization. But I don't believe that that is true to God's intent. There's no such thing as a sacred job or a secular job because all work can be done for God's glory and his worship to him. 
And when you begin to discover the work that you do that lines up with the work that God is doing in the world, then it's going to give purpose and meaning to what you do. But then it's also going to change how you do your work, right? So that, that work isn't some pointless thing that you begrudgingly do. It's You begin to see it as a way that God uses you in the world and it changes how you do that work. Martin Luther also um, said that the Christian shoemaker does his Christian duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship, right? So how we do our work matters. And if our work is a way to worship God, then we want to do our work to the best of our ability to bring wholeness into people's lives, help the kingdom of God shine through and then as a way to worship God and give him the honor and glory that he deserves. So functioning as a Christian in your work isn't just about putting Jesus fish on your business card. It's not about playing Christian music at your desk, hoping that you know someone within earshot will be converted. It's about doing work to the best of your ability and discovering how your work connects with the people around you to bring wholeness, to help restore the world, to bring about God's kingdom in their life. Because within every job, there is a sacred work that God wants to use as work of the harvest. It's like my friend Aaron, who as a nurse, simply sat in silence with the mother who had just lost her baby. She, she just wanted her to know that she wasn't alone in her grief. She didn't do anything. She didn't say anything. She just let her presence speak. And she talked about the sacredness of that moment in the midst of that grief. That's the kingdom work. That's the work of the harvest. It's, it's my friend who um, flips houses and remodels houses as a side job. And when he goes to choose which house he's going to remodel, he doesn't think about which house can give him the greatest profit. He looks for houses in overlooked and neglected neighborhoods um, that he can take and fix up and make a little bit better to help improve the quality of homes in that neighborhood, knowing that the families that will purchase the homes that he flips are going to have a house that everything works and that everything is done right and, and built well. That's, that's the work of the harvest. It's a barista who not only serves excellent coffee, but works hard to learn the names of all of her regular customers so that she can call them by their name and give them the dignity and respect that they deserve, right? It's, it's the HVAC repairman who puts in an extra hour of overtime just to make sure that that elderly couple has heat in the dead of winter. It's the teacher who works hard to inspire her students to love learning and love discovering truth so they can be set for a lifelong pursuit of that. It's the farmer who works hard to um, produce a good crop, knowing that it'll provide for others at the same time, trying to steward the land the best that he can. Right? That's kingdom work. Right? That's work of the harvest. And imagine what the world would look like if every follower of Jesus began to discover the work in their jobs, to see the work that they do as vital and as important and as an opportunity to bring wholeness to the people around them, to help restore God's original intent for the world and bring about the kingdom of God a little bit more 
every single day. So may you find the work in your job and may you do that work to the best of your ability with love and grace and excellence. And may God use you to bring about his kingdom a little more every day.